This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host, and we are here to help take your leadership to the next level. We'll do the best we can. Yeah, we, we always do our best, Richard, <laughs> as, as you have said. Uh, but we are taking a look, sort of diving in each uh, podcast here lately, and just unpacking your upcoming book, The Ways of God. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, it's an exciting book. Um, it's, it's a longer book and, uh, I suspect it could be even longer. It if, could be if just, it, if you only knew how much I cut out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we, uh, if, I told, I, I was aiming for about 200 pages and it's more like 280 or so, but yeah, uh, but it's a lot, it's a big, it's a big subject. It's, it's a big, uh, um, just a, a big theological thing to tackle. And so this, this could obviously be a, a multi-volume set, um, but we wanted to also make it readable, yeah. And so, uh, so breaking that down for people to 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 be able to approach it more easily. So we're, yeah, we're looking at just some of the different ways of God. Some of the just touching on a couple of the chapters, yeah, uh, to give you a, a taste, a feel for what we're what we do in it. And I thought maybe today we could just look at the fact that God's ways are eternal. And uh, there's some great, of course, lots of verses about that. Uh, Psalm 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. Um, Isaiah 40, 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. And, um, and you know, I think we all, I mean, we have to struggle a bit to understand what it's like to relate to an eternal being. Uh, we are all eternal in the sense that we will live forever. I mean, going forward, we, there, there was a time when we were not. Uh, and then we were born and our life began. And now our life will continue on into eternity. Uh, but, but there's only one person that we can relate to who's always, you, you can go back in time. And as far back as you go, God exists there as well. And there's only one person like that. And so he's different than anyone else we relate to. And there's been a saying, um, I think uh, Stephen Covey maybe is the one who popularized it in the seven habits of highly effective people where he said, you know, imagine your, your funeral, imagine what you'd want people to say about you as a eulogy. Uh, you know, you are a very thoughtful person, a very generous person, whatever it is you'd really want them to say. And then start living your life forward so that that's what they do say. You know, just think with back the, from there. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, he would say, just start with the end in mind. So just think about how you want your life to end and then go forward, making sure that that's what you, you put in place so that that happens. And so, you know, looking forward and saying, okay, well, what do I need to do so that that's what happens is, is, is a good way to, to live your life and to be intentional about that. But imagine if you were God and you knew from, from eternity what, what was going to happen. I mean, when you think about your own life, Sam, you know, when did God first know you? When did God first know that at this time you'd be walking on the earth, you'd be married to my daughter, you'd have uh, two kids? And, of course, he's, he's always known. because he's, he's from the from as far back in time as you can go, God has known the future and he has known what was coming. And so 
that means how, how long has God had to prepare for your life? Mm. You know, it's and like you, you might have been born at a certain point of time, which you were, but it, that didn't catch God by surprise. God doesn't suddenly have an angel come up and say, oh, hey, oh God, sorry to interrupt, but Sam Kent was just born. Do we have a file on him? Have we started a, a planning process for what we're going to do with his life? Uh, God's always known. And so, and God doesn't begin preparing for your life when you're born. Uh, God can be preparing for your life generations and generations before. Uh, there's a very controversial uh, doctrine in Christian theology that has to do with predestination. Uh, and I don't want to get into all the, the controversial part of that, except to say that what predestination implies is that God has had plans for your life. God has had intentions for your life. Long before you ever were born, God already had his purposes for you uh, and intentions. And I'll, I'll tell you what, that's just one of those truths that you have to, uh, you have to meditate upon and contemplate. So if Almighty God, before he ever created the universe, before, before any of the universe, the galaxies were in place, God already knew what he intended to do when my life came around uh, for the brief time that it was on this planet, uh, then what what does that say to me? I mean, I, then if he's been working on those plans for a long time, I sure don't want to miss them. Wouldn't that be tragic if before yeah. God created the Rocky Mountain Range, he already knew what my life was going to was meant to accomplish, and then I come around in my life and I don't even bother to try to figure that out. I don't even ask him. Uh, he's been preparing for centuries for my life. And I go racing right through my life carelessly, just not even stopping to think that maybe God has a purpose for me and, and making decisions and, and choices that are going to cost me that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I thought about this um, and I, I mentioned this in the book, just trying to just get my head around what that means uh, for God to be preparing for your life. And and so I know this is a little bit uh, unique uh, because it's because Mary and Joseph gave you know raised God's only son, but how when did God first plan on Mary and Joseph raising Jesus? I mean, how, how long did He prepare for that? Um, you know, I think even as Adam and Eve are eating the forbidden fruit. God already knows He's going to have to send a Savior. His Son's going to have to come, yeah. and God has a plan uh, how it's going to work out. Uh, two human people are going to raise His Son to adulthood for the first thirty or so years of His life. He's going to have earthly parents that uh, give Him guidance and teach Him how to walk, how to eat, how to you know. Joseph may have taught Him how to build stuff in the carpentry shop. But they're going to teach them him the Bible, uh, how to be a good Jewish boy, all those kind of things. Uh, and so, so when you get to like uh, the Gospel of Matthew, or you look at Luke, uh, you look at the genealogies of Jesus, mm -hmm. and uh, you know I think uh, there's they're not they're not they don't quite line up the same. I think most people feel like maybe Luke kind of follows the genealogy of of Mary, and. Matthew follows the genealogy of Joseph, even though we know Joseph isn't really part of fathering Jesus, but that's how you would trace uh, his lineage uh, nonetheless. And so, but either way, um, Mary and Joseph, they come from the tribe of Judah. So, so, so God knows back when he creates Adam, 
and Eve, that one day uh, there's going to be a man, Judah, who's going to have a couple of kids. And through one of those kids, ultimately will be will come a man and a wife that will raise his son. And so how far back does is God preparing so that Joseph and Mary are ever born? I, mean, I don't know if you ever thought about yeah. what a miracle it is that you even are alive today. When, when you think about all the generations that had to pass down the line for you to eventually have a yeah. mother and father. That it's a trip to think about. It is. Sure. And so, you know, think about, uh, so, you know, Adam and Eve start having kids. God knows through which one of those kids lineage ultimately will come Mary and Joseph, but then a flood strikes and, uh, almost everybody on the planet is, uh, is killed. But, uh, through the, the, the family tree that will ultimately produce, uh, Judah, uh, those people survive. And so that's, that's a close call. <laughs> There's only not many people left, but your ancestor was one of them. Yeah. You know, Joseph and Mary's was. And so eventually though, what, what happens is, um, you get to, uh, you get to Judah and, and, and his story is one of those funny kind of old Testament Bible stories that can seem really odd. And you probably never take it in, you know, uh, six-year-old Sunday school classes, but but uh, Judah has a son named Ur, and he's married to Tamar, and we see from the Bible uh, lineage of of in Matthew that uh, Tamar is actually going to be one of the ancestors of Jesus, mm-hmm. and uh, because Jesus comes from Judah as well, and Mary and Joseph do so. So Judah's son, Ur, is married to Tamar, and we realize Tamar is supposed to be in the family tree of Jesus. But Ur, her husband, is so wicked that God strikes him dead. And I mean, I don't know how wicked you have to be for God just to say, enough of this, (laughs) take your life. But apparently he was that evil. And so in that day, in that culture, if if you were a woman and your, your husband died, uh, then if he had a brother, he, he was obligated to marry you, take you on as a wife, might not be his only wife, but basically so that he could help you have kids so that your kids could grow up and take care of you. And so so his Ur's younger brother, Onan, is told, okay, you got to marry Tamar. So he does. But apparently he's just as wicked as his older brother, and so God strikes him dead too. Uh, and so Judah's got another son, but he's not all that inclined to let his third son, <laughs> the, he, two of them are dead now. Uh, and and, and I mean, it has nothing to do with Tamar. It has to do with the bad parenting Judah did to raise up such evil kids. But um, but he he's kind of reluctant to lose a third child. So doesn't want to have him marry Tamar. So he kind of puts her off and says, well, he's quite young. So you just kind of just wait. We'll, we'll Don't call us. We'll call you. And so here's Tamar. Now she's supposed to be an ancestor to Mary and Joseph and ultimately to Jesus. But her first two husbands have been so wicked, God killed them. Now she's a a twice widowed woman. And her only real hope of having a child is if she marries uh, the third brother. And and that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And so at that point, you would say, well, if Mary and Joseph are going to come from Tamar, uh, it doesn't look good. I mean, it doesn't look like good that, that uh, Mary and Joseph are ever going to be born, uh, ever come into existence. But of course, in the, uh, one of those unusual stories, 
Judah's wife dies, and he goes to Timnah to, to do some sheep shearing. And, uh, and so Tamar dresses up as a prostitute and is sit, sitting by the roadside, and Judah doesn't recognize his daughter-in-law and basically offers to, you know, to pay for her services. And, and so Tamar sleeps with her father-in-law, gets pregnant with twins, and one of those twins, the family line goes down to Mary and Joseph and then to Jesus. And so you think, how thin of a line was it whether Mary and Joseph would never have been born? If, if, if Judah had not slept with what he thought was a prostitute, ends up being his daughter-in-law, Mary and Joseph would never have been born. Yeah, well, the, just the precarious and s- seemingly serendipitous nature of that lineage is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, because you see others like uh, Rahab is in that that family tree of Jesus, and yeah. and uh, of course she's uh, from Jericho. She's a, a Gentile, and it, had she not shown hospitality to those two Jewish spies who came by, she would have been killed with everybody else. Uh, but it just so happens that when those two spies come by, they come by uh, her place, and she decides to put her faith in these two spies instead of trusting in all of her own people that she's grown up with. And because of that pretty quick decision she makes, she, she saves her life. Uh, but even then, uh, one of those Jewish soldiers then, I mean, everybody that Rahab knows has been killed, except for some of her own family members. But now she's got to have a Jewish man marry her. But I mean, she's from Jericho. She's a pagan. They've just butchered all of your citizens. Who's going to marry this? Uh, and she may well have been a prostitute. So, I mean, what what righteous Jewish man is going to marry this prostitute from Jericho? But Jesus' family tree is depending upon that. Mary and Joseph are depending upon that. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you look, or you look at uh, Solomon, you know, he, um, uh, his, he had an older brother, because uh, Solomon's going to be in the family tree as well. Uh, he had an older brother, but he was struck dead because of David and Bathsheba's um, adultery. And so that child dies as a result of their sin. Uh, but Solomon is spared. He, he doesn't die. Uh, God just kind of stops the punishment at one. Um, and so Solomon, um, but when it's time uh, for David about to die, his older brother Adonijah tries to foment a revolt where he takes over the king. He's the oldest son. He thinks he, he deserves to be king. And he, he enlists some, some powerful people to support him. And it looks like he might overthrow David and take over the kingship. And of course, the first thing he's going to do is kill Solomon because Solomon is who David had thought would replace him. Uh, and again, you, you just look through the down uh, the, the family tree of Mary and Joseph and realize um, they, on many, many occasions, their, their family tree line should have been snuffed out. Uh, yeah. But God, sometimes very precarious, and yet God had a plan for them. And so I don't know how all that works with God. I just know that God doesn't just start planning for you the day you become a Christian, the day that he has comes up with some work he needs you to do. He's always known his purpose for your life. And so can you imagine God coming? Well, he does come to Mary and Joseph and basically tell them, 
you're going to raise the Son of God. And, you know, of course, the first reaction is, well, who am I to do that? You know, they, of course, they have not been planning this for eternity. Yeah. They're just finding out about it. Uh, but isn't it kind of crazy to consider that whenever God comes to you and says, this is what I want you to do, um, that you, you might be blown away. You might say, well, I mean, I, there's no way I could do that. I've never even thought about doing that before. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've got the skills. I don't know that I would have the ability. And God would say, listen, we've, this has been on the drawing board for us for centuries. If you had yeah. any idea, all the things we put into place so that when the time came, everything you needed to be obedient, to be successful, you'd have at your disposal. Uh, you know, I've got a friend, uh, Brett, that uh, he's a business person, and he uh, has felt led, led by God to develop a ministry uh, in the business community, in the marketplace. And it's, it, he, it was always a little odd to him because uh, his dad just it was not really a practicing Christian. He, he, had, he had some Christianity in his background, but he just didn't really practice it. And I don't think his grandfather necessarily was very strong as a Christian either. And so Brett used to always think, well, how did that happen to me? How, you know, because I, I certainly didn't get that from my dad. But somehow, even though my dad didn't raise me to be a devout Christian, that's what I'd become. And, mm -hmm. and so he always kind of felt like that was a bit of a mystery. And when his dad died, uh, he inherited some stuff from his dad and, and some of just the stuff, you know, family memorabilia, whatever. And there was this one box that he had moved uh to his house afterward that he got from his dad. And he'd never even opened the box. He just put it up in his attic, just in storage. And it, it had sat there for years and years. And one day he's up he's thinking he needs to kind of declutter a little bit, all this stuff that he's inherited, doesn't even know what it is. And he so he takes this one box, it's just sat there for years, and he opens it up and he discovers that it belongs to his great-grandfather, that his, was passed on to his grandfather, then to his father, and now it's sitting in his attic. And inside are all these sermon notes and prayer journals. And he realizes that his great-grandfather was actually a circuit rider preacher. Uh, and mm. here's all of his sermon notes. And here's the things that he prayed for. And he discovers that his great-grandfather was praying for his descendants down to Brett's generation. Wow. And, and, and so Brett is thinking all this time, well, where did this come from in my life? Why do I even have an interest in the things of God? My, my dad never did. Yeah. Uh, why is it that I love God's Word and I, I, I love evangelism? And my dad certainly wasn't, didn't do any of that. And then he realizes, yeah, but three generations earlier, God was already putting things into his family tree. Prayers were being prayed for him. Uh, stuff, I don't know how it works in your DNA with certain Christian tendencies, but, but stuff was happening three generations earlier. Yeah. Uh, so that when Brett came around, everything would be in place for him to be of use uh, to God. And so, you know, that, that changes a lot of things for me. When, when, that, when an eternal God comes to me and he says, okay, I'm going to use you now to do this, uh, even though it catches you by surprise and you feel totally unprepared, don't ever think God's unprepared. I mean, he's had all of eternity to be preparing for you. Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes even in our DNA, sometimes our inclinations, sometimes our passions, I think there's a whole lot more swirling about in us that God has put in us uh, because he's preparing us for the assignment that he has for us. And, 
you know, I just, it's just one of those things I think you have to just uh, really take time to meditate upon when you start to think. Maybe, you know, some of our listeners today are thinking, um, you know, I, uh, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed uh, out of my element here uh, in the deep end of what I feel God's asking me to do, and I just don't know that I have what it takes. And yet to say, well, the moment God intended for you to do that, he began marshalling resources, putting supply depots in place, putting certain people across your life, certain spiritual influences and people praying for you and a pastor when you were just a child that uh, nurtured you or maybe a youth minister that showed extra attention to you and helped you through some tough stretches. And um, all of that was not accidental. That was all just putting those truths into your life somewhere so that when it came time to obeying God, everything that you would need to be successful had been put on the table for you. And so, I, I, you know, I, that, that's just one of those things that when you think about God does things eternally, it means that he, he oh, every time he approaches your life, there's, he has eternity as a backdrop. Hmm. Uh, God never does anything short term. God never just does anything haphazardly. Every, every act of God in your life has eternity stretched out behind you. And, and God understands this is how what I'm doing in, in Sam's life is going to affect his eternity. It's going to affect his kids' eternity, all kinds of other people's eternity. Um, God always has the long view. He plays the long game. Um, we often want to just settle for a short-term gain, short-term pleasure, and God would say, no, that that short-term pleasure is going to rob you of some eternal gain. And uh, so there are times where God's going to say no to you in the short term uh, because he's looking long-term for you. And yeah. and that that's just a different way of living. If you've ever invest, you know, had money and you were going to try to just think short-term with your money, you, you, you treat it differently than if you're thinking long-term with your money. And, uh, and if you think about God, everything he does has the long view in mind. And so there's times where you'll say, well, God, why are you not doing this? It would make me so happy. Uh, I would have, I would enjoy this so much. And God would say, well, that's, I look at you with eternal eyes, not this week's eyes. Um, and so he's going to just take a different path than you might've hoped he would, because everything is based on what's best for you long-term. And, uh, of course that's also means you're going to be like Jesus. Uh, and so why does he allow some things in your life? Well, because ultimately he wants you to spend eternity uh, worshiping him and having the, the character of Christ. Um, and so that's the long view for God. And so everything he brings into your life is going to have that long-term view, preparing you for heaven, preparing you to be like Jesus, um, not short-term. Uh, what would be the most comfortable job, the most comfortable life? Uh, that's that's way too short a term. And and you know, maybe the last thing just to say about that is that because God sees uh, things from an eternal perspective, He also sees people with an eternal perspective. And so you might just have a colleague at work that just irritates you, <laughs> and 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 uh, is just constantly getting on your nerves. You wish that uh, they'd get fired or transferred or something. Mm -hmm. But God sees that same person with an eternity spawning out before them. And uh, they, uh, they realize, God realizes, well, here's a person that doesn't yet know me. Here's a person whose eternity is not yet uh, determined. 
and I put them in t- across the life of a Christian who knows the answer, knows the truth. Um, it, it, it changes things. If you just see someone as a miserable person you hate to put eight hours a day working next to, that's a very short-term perspective. Uh, when you look yeah. at them as someone with an eternal soul that desperately needs uh, to find some answers in their life so that their eternal destiny is secured, well, then that changes things. And so, again, sometimes you can pray and say, well, God, why do you let me have to work with this obnoxious person? You know, why, why do you give me this boss that's so uh, crass and crude? Um, and God might say, because he has an eternal soul and he needs to be around people that have the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, there's a whole lot to that. It, it, it helps you understand a lot of why God does certain things, why he doesn't do other things. If you realize everything he does, he does with an eternal perspective. Well, it's certainly humbling to think about, uh, you know, your life in light of eternity. Not only you being prepared for eternity, but but the next generations coming behind you. You know, like what you do has a that ripple effect, not just on eternity, but also even just the generations yeah. that follow. You well, know. and you think about your little girls, you know, yeah. they've got to make some eternal decisions in their life. Yeah. And they're going to make decisions about God, and a lot of their view of God is going to be based on what they saw their dad do yeah. and how their dad behave. And and again, you realize, well, the, you know, can I just, you know, let my guard down in my own home? Can I just, you know, do what I want to do in my own house? Well, there's, there's some eternities at stake right now. Yeah in what you do in your own home, in front of your family. And, uh, and, and when you realize eternal consequences uh, for our actions, then you realize, you know what, that's a sobering reminder that I need to be very careful what I say, what I do, um, and just live a holy life in front of others. And so um, there, there's a lot to that when you begin, you know, it's, that's the problem with this book. The more you kind of meditate upon some of this stuff, yeah. the more you realize, um, it's a miracle. You know, if God were to sit you down, Sam, and just say, listen, just, just for the fun of it, let me tell you about your great, 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 great grandfather. When that horrible flu epidemic came by and three of his brothers all died from that, but he, he came back from the, yeah. the edge of the, of the grave and his life was spared, or he was. You're, you're, you had an ancestor who was kicked in the head by a mule on the farm and uh, should have died. Yeah. Uh, but he recovered and then uh, got married, and you know, and your family tree continued, and um, and you'd begin to realize, wow, like just I, I should never take the this. You know, my 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 grandfather fought in World War One and was almost killed a number of times, and uh, he hadn't been married yet, hadn't had my dad yet. And and I don't know if God looked at my grandfather and said, well, he's got a son who needs to write Experiencing God one day. Uh, I need to keep this guy around until he produces a son. Uh, or I don't know what all goes into God's mind because lots of people do die. Lots of people get killed in wars. Yeah. And then, But then there's some that I just, for whatever reason, God spares them. And and as you as you trace through the generations, you realize, well, maybe God had a... I was thinking about this with my grandfather and uh, the fact that he was almost killed on multiple occasions. Um, and and I, I thought, well, you know, God, maybe God just wanted experience in God to be written. Uh, and then I thought, well, I, I'm sure God may have wanted that, but then maybe it's my, grand, my dad's grandsons, my kids, or maybe it's my grandchildren, uh, my dad's great-grandchildren that 
they're going to do something for God that blows away experiencing God or anything that any of us have done. Yeah. Maybe the best is still to come. It's not about me. It's about what God's going to do with my grandchildren. And, 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 you know, maybe I'm just mostly filler. I'm just, I'm just going to, you know, I got to just keep the family tree going and keep them <laughs> uh, believing in God until my great grandchild one day does, you know, finds the cure to cancer. Well, and I think I think there's two ways to look at that as well, and we'll we'll wrap up here because I think we could probably <laughs> chit chat about this yeah. for a while. But yeah. um, you know, there's the there's the the creative aspect of it. Like, well, you know, maybe God wanted Henry to write Experiencing God, so that's why he spared his dad, and so on and so forth. But then there's also the the preventative aspect of it as well. Like, what impact will your grandchildren have? You know, on someone who was potentially going to be a great harm to society, but because they intersected, you know, your grandchildren's life, you know, what was prevented as well? And, and, you know, you just, Uh, I, I, I think maybe one day God will just pull back the veil. And we'll realize, you know, we saw so little of the reality of what was going on in our life. All of heaven's resources that went into play for us to accomplish our divine purposes and all the things God was shielding us from, protecting us from, just uh, working in someone's life that would have been a mass murderer, but he ended up going to this church where they were welcomed and loved. I mean, there's so many things that only God knows, but you, you have to trust in his hands. And then as you just live your own life, just trust that there is an eternal God who knows all things, who is working in my life. And I tell you what, I've got to trust. When he comes and tells me, this is what I want you to do. You just have to realize this is not a spur of the moment thing with God. He's been preparing for generations and he has everything in place. All you've got to do is step out and obey and experience what it's like to walk hand in hand with an eternal God. Mm. Well, it's a great place to leave it. And as always, we'll leave links to the book in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.